Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg, and uh, today uh, the first big story I wanted to talk about was this happened yesterday, and actually the news apparently was coming for a bit, and but no one had been talking about it really. And uh, but Toys R Us is filing for Chapter Eleven bankruptcy, and you're like, oh crap! Like Toys R Us, like they've been around forever, and uh, you know you're kind of like, what's gonna happen? Are the stores gonna close? Are they gonna, you know, this, that, this, and that, and the other thing? Um, and so here, what I want to do is I just want to talk a little bit about what's actually happening, what we can expect from a customer side, and maybe some of the reasons why. They had to file for bankruptcy, but also part of the reason that maybe their business isn't doing so well. Uh, so the first thing, uh, like I said, they're filed. They have officially filed for Chapter Eleven bankruptcy protection. So, um, what that basically means is, let's see, I don't want to use that that link because it doesn't work. Um, so what that basically means is not that the company's going away. So basically, the the way it works is that they get to relieve themselves of a certain amount of debt that they have. Apparently, they have $4.9 billion in debt, $400 million of which has interest payments due in 2018, and $1.7 billion, which is due in 2019. So at first, those are really jarring numbers when you think about like their $5 billion in debt. And apparently some of the reasons they're in debt is that they recently bought out, like they bought out KB toys and they bought out some other things. They have like exclusive licensing deals. Like it was, it was not the stores losing money necessarily that was causing them not to do, not to be profitable. It was that they took on a bunch of debt and they can't be profitable because they're trying to pay off this debt and the debt's catching up to them faster than the money they'd have to pay it off. So the bankruptcy is basically a way for them to be able to kind of restructure, reorganize their company and then not have to like go out of business, lose some of the debt so that they can be successful in the future. And I'm always a little torn on this because at first you think, well, so somebody in this deal is getting screwed because somebody's owed money by Toys R Us and someone's not going to get that money. But you also have to think of it this way. You don't want companies like this to go out of business. They, they employ a lot of people. They, they buy a lot of stuff from toy manufacturers. Um, in fact, some of the big ones like Hasbro say that Toys R Us is 10% of their revenue. So one store is 10% and, and a lot of other stuff. So you don't really want companies to go out of business and you hope that they can come somehow come up with some sort of compromise so that it's not so one-sided and just a good thing for them and they just get to forget all this debt. Uh, it's similar to but not really. It's similar a little bit to like if you file for bankruptcy as a person, you may have your debt absolved, but then it can be more difficult for you to get loans in the future. Obviously, if you have to file for bankruptcy, you're going to have a lot of issues with investors wanting to buy. Your stock prices most likely will go down, things like that. Um, so here was the quote from the uh, Dave Brandon, the chairman and CEO of Toys R Us. Today marks the dawn of a new era at Toys R Us where we expect that the financial constraints that have held us back will be addressed in a lasting and effective way. We are confident that there are, that these are the right steps to ensure that the iconic Toys R Us and Babies R Us brands live on for many generations, he added. Um, so, yeah, you know, that's pretty, pretty standard corporate speak. There's not really much happening there. Um it's going to keep all of, or it has roughly 1600 stores around the world. All of those stores will remain in operation, especially leading up to the big Christmas season that's coming up here. Uh, and, and they've already gotten some commitment from some lenders like uh, a JP Morgan led syndicate for $3 billion in debtor 
in possession financing. So there's some really like they have as a company, they seem to be doing fine because it's not scaring off a lot of people. Um, it's just basically a way for them to get out of the hole they're in, basically. So again, like I kind of said here, originally Toys R Us, uh, you know, was like one of the old school, like original toy stores. Like when you think of like when I was a kid growing up, I mean, you always heard the commercial, you know, um, I don't, uh, I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid, you know, like that whole thing. Uh, like that song's just ingrained in your brain. But I have to admit as an adult, I find myself never going to KB Toys and I, I mean, I collect Amiibo, I collect uh, statues and figures, I play video games, I collect video games, so it's kind of surprising that I would not, you know, want to go to a place like that, and it's, some every now and then they have good deals, and you know, so you check them out, but like, game, you know, Best Buy has the Gamer Club Unlock, so there's not really any reason to go there, Amazon has the Prime Discount, so there's not really any reason to go to K, uh, Toys R Us over Best Buy or Amazon, really, you know, and then their Amiibo and their, I don't know if they do it with Infinity and Skylanders now, but with their Amiibo, they were always a dollar more expensive than MSRP, which, you know, is kind of frustrating to me. So obviously that was a corporate decision. And then they were even getting exclusives. Like they had the Bowser Jr. exclusive Amiibo, and that was more expensive than all the other Amiibo at the time. Now the price is raised up on them. But so little things like that always kind of pushed me away from Toys R Us and each store would have better, better and better products. So I live in Green Bay and like our Toys R Us is pretty terrible, but if you go to Appleton, their Toys R Us is a lot better. So it's really strange. So I don't know who was in charge of making those marketing decisions. It was probably based off of total sales and, uh, they have different tiers of stores. Like if one store does this much in sales, they get more product. If a store has less in sales, they only give them like the high markup product, stuff like that. So that's pretty, you know, that's pretty basic stuff. Uh, but I, I, I feel like Toys R Us over the years hasn't really updated and hasn't adapted even their stores, like I go in there and they just feel like they're these huge warehouse looking stores, almost like a Walmart size store. And I don't know what the, if that's the best thing for them, I guess. I don't know. It just seemed like it was too much, too big. But the funny thing is this bankruptcy isn't happening because of anything wrong that they're doing. So like there's, there's people who are saying right now that, let me see if I can find the, uh, the article. Cause I wanted to cover it a little bit. Um, it was basically saying how they're, they're making like if it weren't for the debt, they'd be pulling in about five hundred to six hundred million dollars a year in profit. But the interest on what they owe and them having to pay their debts is more than that. So they're slowly sinking into the hole while they try to get out of debt. And so they can't make big decisions. They can't like make licensing deals to make more money essentially because they're paying off old debt. Now again, their fault as a company, they they overextended. But again, we don't want to come in necessarily just to go out. What I would like to see Toys R Us do is, is kind of do like what Best Buy's done over the last couple of years. They've really had a resurgence and they've really come back with the way they treat their customers and the way they do their pricing. Like I've heard, like I was reading an article and someone was saying, oh, well, you know, like because someone was saying how they're high priced and someone was saying, well, Toys R Us will price match Amazon, Best Buy and all these other places you just have to ask. And I'm like, I've never heard that. I've never heard that they'll price match. So they don't advertise that. It's just something that they do. But if we don't know it, we're not going to test it usually. So, uh, but anyway, there's a lot of rumors out there. Like a lot of people are saying, oh, Toys R Us is bankrupt. Are they closing? Oh, we're not going to have Toys R Us anymore. Uh, which I, you know, I don't think you'd miss it personally, but no, they're not closing. So it's just, it's, it's a way that a lot of businesses do this. It's a way for them essentially to stay open is they're able to get rid of certain types of debt. So I started looking up some stuff. 
uh, because there were a lot of reasons why people were arguing that Toys R Us was in trouble. And one of the things people were saying was that the toy industry as a whole is down. And then I started looking that up, and that's actually not true. So uh, right now, through halfway through 2017, toy sales have increased by 3%. So an action figures and toys in that category, that's actually gone up. So you can't argue that Toys R Us's sales aren't good because toys aren't good. And a lot of them are saying, oh, well, you know, you know, last year we were coming off the back end of a, of a Christmas Star Wars movie release. So you had Star Wars toys going all the way into last year. And obviously we're going to have Star Wars toys going into all of next year. But the sales aren't really the problem. Uh, and the toy industry has a the total toy industry is around a twenty six billion dollar industry. So there's a lot of money to be made anyway. And really, if you look at Toys R Us, there aren't a lot of there aren't a lot of comp, uh, competition for them. There's not really a lot of competitors for them. Like Toys R Us doesn't have, like they used to have KB Toys, which was like a small mall version of what they did, and they don't anymore. So KB Toys is gone. Uh, you have some mom and pop used toy shops, but you don't see mom and pop new toy shops. You do see like comic book stores carrying figures. You do see uh, a lot of conventions sell a lot of figures, but you don't really have like a store that's just for toys really anymore. Like I, I don't, I don't see them anywhere around here. Maybe they are in bigger cities, but, uh, so it's one of those interesting things. Like they don't really have any competition. Almost, you could argue almost like GameStop. They don't have any competition on their level. Like GameStop obviously has a lot of small mom and pop stores that come for them, but they don't have really any competition at the corporate level. Same with Toys R Us. Um, so it's really interesting. So that's not the problem. It's not competition, but they do need to, to, to fight against stores like Walmart. They need to fight against Amazon. And a lot of people are equating it to, oh, is this just like when Amazon, is this just like when uh, Amazon killed, you know, the bookstore? And Am No, it's not like that at all. Like the toy stores are doing fine, but they do need to get in line with their pricing. And I do believe that Toys R Us really needs to work on their website. And that is something that I feel like they slacked on. Just like GameStop, I, I don't know how they survive with their website. It's just really awful compared to like an Amazon or even Best Buy. Best Buy's website's incredible. So there are certainly things they could do to be better, but they are a profitable company once the debt is absolved. So I think Toys R Us will be fine. Again, I'm not really a customer of theirs, though. I don't really ever find anything there that I want. But it is like a big thing for Christmas. It is a cool place to take kids. And they also do a lot of like baby stuff like, you know, they do cribs and they do like baby clothes and stuff. So it's not just the toy side of it. I would love to see them do more with the video game side, like maybe offer something competitive with, you know, Best Buy and Amazon. But I understand they can't do that. Even GameStop hasn't really done that. So it's not something a lot of companies are willing to sacrifice profit on. But uh, it's very cool, though. And um, so anyway, uh, you know, no reason to worry. It is what it is. It's not a good thing that they had to do this, but it's not the end of the world. It's not a bad thing. I just wanted to kind of clear up all of the confusion around it because people like are tweeting about it and they're like, oh my God, it's, you know, the, the Toys R Us is gone, you know, rest in peace, Toys R Us. It's not how it's going to be at all, you know, but we'll see how it goes in the next couple of years. If they keep being profitable and their debts absolved, they'll be okay. If they start to decline though, you will see that being an issue because they won't be able to recover from that. All right, anyway, moving on. So uh, the next story that I wanted to talk about um, was, uh, you know, another day, another dollar, I guess, for uh, Capcom and Marvel. Uh, the new one, Marvel's Capcom Infinite, comes out today, actually. And uh, so this one, it, it honestly, I'm not very interested in it, just going to be honest. Um, 
Uh, there's a whole bunch of issues I have with this game, but the story I want to talk about was that they've already announced that if you buy the season pass, you're going to get four more characters. Venom, this is part of the issue I have too, quotes Monster Hunter, uh, Winter Soldier, and Black Widow. Uh, now, if you remember months and months ago, Jen and I had, there was a rumor that came out that had the leaked roster. That ended up being 100% true, except for Black Widow had replaced uh, Gil. Uh, so, or whatever her name is, uh, it doesn't matter. Um, so whatever, you know, okay, fine. Okay. Let me just start from the beginning. First issue. I hate when they make a character and they just call it monster hunter. So this is like a generic monster hunter. Cause in the game monster hunter, which I happen to love, you make your own character. So uh, there's not like story made characters where you could be like, Oh, this is, this is, you know, Jack from monster hunter. No, it's like, this is, this is a hunter. But just the fact that they call him Monster Hunter or call her Monster Hunter, it's a female character. I'm just baffled by that. It's just really annoying. Um, but again, totally side, totally side issue. Um, has nothing to do with anything, just a, a, an annoyance. However, the issue I have is that especially with a fighting game, not having the full roster be available is really annoying to me. I feel like it's very difficult to have a fair and balanced fighting game that you want to have at tournaments if you can't make it balanced and fair for everybody to own all the characters. Some people basically have a pay advantage because if they buy the DLC characters and you don't, they'll know how to beat those characters because they'll see the moves. They'll know how to play as those characters. They basically get an advantage over you based on solely money. And that, that's frustrating to me. Uh, and, and DLC has been an abomination for a very long time. Capcom has been one of the most egregious abusers of DLC. And this is just adding on to that pile. Uh, the, uh, the other issue I have, obviously this is DLC, not DLC related, but is the roster itself. So it seems like everybody in the game either has a new movie coming out or a new game coming out. It, they basically use this as like a movie tie-in or, or like a property tie-in game. And it's like, if you look at the original Marvel vs. Capcom and Marvel vs. Capcom 2, they just put in a ton of great characters that would be interesting and would be unique and would look good. Marvel vs. Capcom 3 started to do this a little bit. Like they had Dante from Devil May Cry. Like they started to put characters that they were trying to bring back or were going to have a game coming out. So they started doing that. And then this one is like even worse, I guess. So I'm going to go through the, the, the roster here real quick. Um, so the Marvel characters are Iron Man, Captain America, Hulk, and Thor, which if you count Spider-Man, all four of those top ones, uh, are going to be in movies this year because Captain America made cameos in Spider-Man. Iron Man was in Spider-Man, Hulk and Thor in the new Thor movie that comes out this November. The next you've got Hawkeye, Doctor Strange, Rocket Raccoon, and Gamora. So Guardians of the Galaxy 2 came out. They had both Rocket, Raccoon, and Gamora in it. Doctor Strange came out last year, and he'll have a sequel coming, I believe, next year. And then Hawkeye is in the Avengers. I don't... He wasn't in Spider-Man. Maybe he'll make an appearance in Thor. I don't know, but, you know, it is what it is. Then we have Spider-Man, who just had his movie this year. Captain Marvel, whose movie I believe is coming out next year. Uh, Nova, which is was in Guardians of the Galaxy, the Nova Corps. Dormammu, who was the villain in Doctor Strange movie. Thanos, who's the villain in the third Avengers movie, and Ultron, who's the villain in the second Avengers movie. <laughs> so there's not like a unique character on here, you know? And, and it's especially weird. One, it's missing all the X-Men, 
which is really annoying because Wolverine's been in every game since. Uh, but obviously Fox owns the rights to the movies. Marvel probably doesn't want to give them any more press. Like they're trying to get the rights back. It's really frustrating and annoying. It is what it is from the Capcom side. It's a little bit less egregious because a lot of these characters are returning. So you've got, uh, you know, Ryu, Chun-Li, um, Mega Man Zero, uh, Arthur from Ghosts and Goblins, Firebrand Morgan, uh, Chris Redfield, Nemesis, Frank West, Dante, Hagar. So a lot of these guys, they don't have a Spencer from Bionic Commando, so there's certainly no coming back from that. So the Capcom guys aren't, but all the Marvel characters that they got the rights to, obviously there was a deal made there where it said, hey, you want to use our characters in your game? Here's what you have to... <laughs> here's what you have to do. You have to use all these characters from the movies that are coming out. So I've got an issue with that. I got an issue with their crappy monster hunter character. And I've really got a problem with this DLC. The DLC is just, it's just really bad. I'm sorry. It just is. And you shouldn't have to pay extra for fighting game characters. And they announced this technically the day before the game release, they announced that there'll be a season pass for these four fighters. What the hell's up with that? Like the idea of DLC was to, hurt used game sales by prolonging the life of your games that was the original idea was if we add more content people won't sell their games because they want to you know they want to keep the games because there's more content coming so now it's evolved into well let's just take a chunk of the game and cut it off to the side and then we'll sell that later so like when there's ever whenever there's day one dlc it's a pain in my ass i really hate day one dlc and i just seriously think it's just a horrible, horrible thing. And it's hurting the industry as a whole. Me, I don't even use, I don't even really play DLC. Even Dark Souls 3, which is a game I love. One of the only games I ever bought a season pass for because I knew I'd play the the, the content. I haven't even played the DLC for that. My brother and I tried to start the first part of it. And I just felt like I didn't, I felt like I beat that game and I don't need to revisit it. And, and now that's my personal take on it. But I also feel like those games are ones that they release the game and then they have unfinished parts of the game that they're trying to release. Like the Artorias DLC for dark souls one was originally supposed to be in the game. They just couldn't get it finished in time. So released it later. Now, is that just as bad as releasing day one DLC? Probably because it was still supposed to be in the game and you don't release it for free. You release it and charge for it. But you know, I understand that this stuff does take time and resources. So you can't just, you know, you can't just say, Oh, well, you know, everything should be free. Well, no, it took a lot of people time and effort working on that. But the idea, and, and not every company does this with DLC is not what I'm saying, but clearly Capcom does, and they always have. And usually they have the big hubbub about DLC being on the disc, which is really frustrating. So these characters are actually in the game, but you have to pay to unlock them. That kills me. That That is the absolute worst. And they started doing that. I think it was a Street Fighter 4 was the first one that had like on DLC content. So when you buy the DLC, you download like a one kilobyte file that tells the game it's okay to show you those characters. It just it's just awful. Uh, it's just awful. We and we have to fight against this sort of practices, and that goes all beyond the fact that I think Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite just looks like a turd. Graphically speaking, it looks like a mobile game. All the supers are like repeated animations from a mobile game. This one, uh, this is a hard pass for me. Just skip it. It's not going to be competitive. It's not going to be a competitive fighting game. Marvel vs. Capcom 2 and 3 will hold. Uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite will not take that throne, unfortunately. It just really makes me mad because they've got such a, a potential with great characters here to make something great. Um, and they don't. And they choose not to. But that is Capcom. And that is how they roll. So it is what it is. And you just have to deal with it because that's the, the DLC world we're living in. Um, 
so moving on, my next story I wanted to cover was something that was getting some press here and there, and people were really freaking out about it. Um, there, uh, just yesterday, uh, some stories broke about there being an NES emulator buried in the, like in the code or in the firmware of every Nintendo switch. So some, yeah, there's fans who are searching through the switches back end files, and they've discovered that every console comes pre-installed with an NES emulator and a modified copy of the 1984 NES game golf. So there's an emulator built into it. And the emulator is called flog, which is golf backwards. And it's been on every switch system since it's pre-launch 1.0 version. So there's no official way to, to reach this. Uh, obviously like the modders and the hackers, once they hack the switch or they, they break into it, they will have a way of probably opening this up. But the idea is that, which we kind of always knew is that the switch is going to have like an emulation station built into it. So Nintendo finally, after all these years, is starting to realize the potential of their back library. And this isn't something that was necessarily a surprise. However, the NES golf game did have an interesting difference to the original. It supports the Joy-Con motion controls for golf. So it's an NES game that's actually been updated to support motion controls. Now, to be fair, most likely what this is, is this is a test. This was whoever's working on the emulation side of it was basically put one game in there to, to toy around with to see how it would perform and then also to see if they could edit that game with things like Joy-Con support and all that sort of thing. So that's really cool, though. And this uh, might have to do with something uh, that Nintendo's been talking about, which is the online subscription, which they talked about if you buy the online subscription, you're going to get so many NES games for free and like they'll rotate them in every month. So this seems to be kind of how they're going to work that out. And obviously it makes sense that it's been built in there from the beginning, but this is really interesting. This is super cool. I think this is one of those things that is neat that someone found it because eventually it's going to get released and we'll know all about it. But I love reading stuff like this, that people found it. I don't want to say necessarily that it's hidden. It's just essentially a test feature that they've been working with internally. And it's probably just a part of the firmware for that reason, or part of the software on the switch for that reason, but still pretty cool. I actually love stuff like this, like anytime the hidden thing. Um, also very similar to this, I didn't have a separate story for it, but I was just reading the other day that someone found a prototype cartridge of Moonwalker at a flea market, which is hilarious because I never find anything at flea markets, but they found a prototype cartridge of Moonwalker at a flea market, and the version was old enough to have the version of Thriller as part of the soundtrack, which did not make it into the final game. Again, not that big of a deal. Maybe you guys don't care. I just totally geek out about stuff like that. I love hidden things. I love even looking at old gaming magazines to find like screenshots of games that either they have changed since they came out or haven't come out and never came out at all. I just love stuff like that. It's kind of part of the history of it all. And I think that's pretty cool. Um, so uh, apparently they're, uh, they're also working on something, not just their own Nintendo made emulators, but they're also working on third party problems. So you've got, um, other games, like you've got your Castlevanias, your Nintendo's, they might also look into putting some sort of motion controls into that. Like imagine playing Castlevania and having to like slap your hand for the switch. Now I personally don't like motion controls. I didn't like the Wii for that reason, but as long as it's an option I can turn on or off for fun, I think that's kind of neat. Uh, otherwise have no real interest in motion controls otherwise, but as long as it's it, like, I don't have a problem with it as long as I don't have to use it if I don't want to. So anyway, that was kind of a short story. I just wanted to like throw that one out there. Cause again, found it interesting, which is fine. Uh, and then lastly, this one is a follow up to a story I did last week. 
And this one is kind of a big deal. I want to kind of go through it. But uh, last week, you may recall that we talked about PewDiePie and on stream, he, uh, Felix, he dropped the N word on his stream and dropped a a hard N as we say. And he dropped that and, you know, he's apologized for a little bit after that. He knows he made a mistake and he did it on, like he didn't do it on purpose, like to be uh, an edge Lord. Like he seriously did it because he, it was a slip. Like he didn't mean to, and he, he knew as soon as he said it, that he was in trouble for it. So then what followed though, and again, we weren't arguing necessarily if you should or shouldn't say that. I mean, it's pretty cut and dry that that's just an awful word that we shouldn't be using. And the fact that he's a role model for people, he shouldn't be using that word when he could, or I should say he should understand that he has a responsibility to the hundreds and millions of people like that watch his videos. He has a responsibility where he could change that sort of behavior by saying, come on guys, let's not do it. Let's be better than that. You know, don't use those words. Come on guys. Like let's come on. Let's, 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 let's not do that. But he doesn't, he instead uses them and then basically validates other people that want to use those words. So we could argue whether that's right or wrong or not. I mean, it's not really an argument to me. It's incredibly wrong. And he's a essentially a waste of his of his outreach is not using it in a positive way. But the real story that we talked about was the Campo Santo was the developer behind Firewatch, which is actually a great game. I've played it. I love it. And they had said they were going to use DMCA takedowns as a way of fighting against uh, Felix's, you know, uh, like bad content, bad comment, because they felt very offended by what he said, and they felt like they didn't want him to make money off of their content. Now he wasn't playing their game when he said it; he was playing a different game. So what they, the copyright request that they submitted was to take down his play of their game, which is kind of a selfless act when you think about it in some sorts, because they're hurting themselves by doing that. They're hurting the exposure their game gets. This this. And this isn't nearly on the same scale, but this reminds me a lot of when Metallica went after Napster way back in the day. Metallica just like they got destroyed for that. And they still have people complaining about that, which is like, was it 20 years later? It's probably 20, 18 years later, 20 years later. They still have people give them crap for that. And it's it's unbelievable. But they were trying to fight a good fight and they didn't understand like the backlash they would get for that. And they handled it pretty poorly, in my opinion. And they, they, they didn't do a good job of going after it because they didn't understand it, you know, and it was a, it was a changing, it was a trend change that they saw as someone just stealing from them. And obviously they were, if you know the story real quick, they were pissed off because they were doing a, a song for the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack called I Disappear. And that song was on Napster before it was finished being mixed. Like they had recorded it and everything and they hadn't finished mixing it. It was in like their producer's hands and somehow a version of it must have went to like a movie executive and somehow that person must have had someone hear it and then leak it. And so you can imagine how pissed you are as, as a musician who's got very high standards and then you hear like a song that's not finished mixed yet being out there and then people criticizing it. And you're like, well, how do you even get out there? And then you hear about this music service that lets people download any song they want for free. And you're like, what the hell is this? Again, you don't understand the technology. It's it's scarier when you don't understand it. And they again, they handled it very poorly from the press side, but they weren't technically wrong. You know, even look at like Dr. Dre now. He still takes all of his videos off of YouTube. You can't listen to any of his music on YouTube unless you go through like Vivo or Vevo or whatever the hell it is, which is just awful. And most of it's edited. <laughs> so you're like, this, this is just crap. But Dr. Dre, I remember um, when I when I was downloading songs off Napster, 
because uh, if I've told the stories before on different podcasts, but I grew up listening to a lot of 90s gangster rap when I was in high school and in middle school. And so my first album I ever bought was Dr. Dre's The Chronic. And so, of course, when I could download any songs I want to, I downloaded that. And I technically owned that CD. Like I owned it, but it was just easier to put on my computer that way. And so I downloaded the MP3, put it on my computer. And I remember I loaded up Napster one day and I just got this message that said, you have been banned by Dr. Dre. <laughs> And I thought to myself, Dr. Dre, man, what's up? What's the deal? Why am I banned? Why did did Dr. Dre do this to me? Like, I've supported him. I bought all of his albums. But I was obviously aiding in in the piracy of his music by having it and other people were allowed to download it from me. And so I just thought that was funny that literally a pop-up message came up and said, you've been banned by Dr. Dre. (laughs) So, you know, so me and Dr. Dre had a moment is what I'm trying to say. Um... But anyway, so so getting back to it, uh, Campo Santo filed this DMCA takedown um, against their best interests, really. They're going to hurt themselves by doing this, but they feel like it's something they, they need to stand up for. So the news, though, that's different this week, and this broke a couple days ago, actually a couple days after I did the podcast last week, was that the YouTube has accepted the DMCA takedown and officially... Uh, PewDiePie has one strike against him when uh, the way YouTube works. If you get copyright claims like that at that level, it's a three strikes and you're out system. And here's what would happen if um, let's talk a little bit about this. So this is actually Felix talking about it. He said, um, let's see. Okay. Here's Google's policy. Excuse me. Um, Cause Felix basically said, it's a pretty big deal. If I get more than three of them, my channel will shut down. So according to Google's policy, if PewDiePie were to receive three copyright strikes, his account will be terminated. All videos uploaded to his account will be removed and he won't be able to create new accounts. Essentially, every video he has ever uploaded to YouTube will be erased. That is a big deal. Now, he is the person with the most subscribers on YouTube. You have to question yourself, would Google actually take his stuff down? Um, I would assume that they would have some sort of meeting and basically say, look, man, we're not going to give you this final strike. We're going to protect you. But you have to tone it down. You have to sign a contract. You have to do something. You know what I mean? Like they would they would put something in place because once you have rules and if you don't enforce those rules, then no one else is going to follow the rules. And you can't not make an example of your biggest YouTuber. But you also have to understand he brings how many millions of views and how many advertising advertising dollars to Google. So it's not as cut and dry as just like cut them loose. There's a lot of money involved and money, as we know, drives everything in business. So it's really you have to really question what could possibly happen. So now there were some questions brought up then. And a lot of people, I actually got in a Twitter argument with one of the guys from limited run games, because my opinion is that you can't just take down people's videos because you don't like their view on other things. Like if, 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 if you put a video, if you say anyone can use your videos and then they put a video up and it's fine and you're happy with it. And then later they do something else on a different video. You can't just say, well, this is, copyright material you can't use it because aren't there millions of other people using it too so wouldn't you have to cut off everybody that was my stance on it now i'm no lawyer and i I don't pretend to be one i just that makes legal sense to me and in the argument i got with the guy from limited run games he and he was being a little aggressive like not with me but with other people like he was coming out with these like sassy tweets about oh you know all these armchair lawyers have to comments to say about campo santo and like well just relax clearly he they did a physical print for firewatch so like yes he knows the campo santo guys probably he probably believes in what they believe in he's sticking up for his friends fine 
whatever. But like he was trying to make this aggressive argument, kind of making fun of people who think that you can't just do DMCA claims against certain people. And my issue with that was that what happens then, this might be a slippery slope, right? What happens when they open up the doors and then you've got a company like Activision who says, hey, you guys want to play our games all you want. Go ahead, play our games all you want. Okay. And then this Angry Joe or something comes up and says, this game sucks. And then they go, okay, Angry Joe, that's a strike against you because we don't like that you said our game sucks. Uh, Okay. Now, I'm not ignorant enough to think that, quote unquote, free speech means that you can say whatever you want on the internet and no one can stop you. That's not what free speech is. I'll say this all the time on here. Free speech means that the government cannot persecute you for what you say against them or against other things. But that does not mean that a private company can't say, I don't want anything to do with you and kick you out. When you sign up for YouTube, you sign a user and agreement agreeing that they can kick you out for almost any reason they want. I mean, it's these people have million dollar lawyers. Like, they take care of this stuff. Uh, so... You know, my take on that would be, it just seems strange, like you can't pick and choose who you get to allow to watch your videos. If you have like an open clause saying anybody can, and then you're just like, well, I don't like him, so he can't. I don't like him, so he can't. It just seems like that seems like in court, then like Felix could go, well, they took my video down, but there's a million other videos they didn't take down. So they're not protecting their IP from those people. Why do they have to protect it, uh, protect it from me? So that was my take on it. Again, I'm not a lawyer. That was just what I always thought. So when we get back to it, um, this is a lawyer who works in the gaming industry, uh, Mona Ibrahim. This is what, uh, and has written about this issue in the past. This is what, uh, this is what uh, they say. In the case of Let's Play Video, a content owner like Campo Santo would argue that they can revoke their permissive, non-exclusive license to stream against anyone who uses their content in a way they find offensive or in a way that associates their game or brand with something against their values. That's the tricky part. That's the last line there. Because at first you say, well, they, he didn't use their content in an offensive way, but here's the last part or in a way that associates their game or brand with something against their values, which clearly PewDiePie showed his values and what they're against. Uh, now the lawyer also pointed out that Vanneman, who is from Campo Santo, his reasons for issuing the DMCA takedown, which Felix spoke about at length in a video aren't of any real importance in a court of law. So under copyright, an author's underlying justification for bringing an action carries very little weight unless the claim lacks merit. If, as most of the clients believe, Let's Play is not fair use, Vanneman could issue a takedown for any reason or no reason at all. And as long as there is still actual infringement, which would be the fact that his video was in the guy's game, an argument of bad faith probably won't have much of an effect on the outcome unless you get a very sympathetic judge or jury. So this was going back to what Felix was saying. So now he's saying, it's pretty disappointing, to be honest. Whether you like me or Mr. Veneman, these laws are created for people to take down content. And whenever there's power to do so, it's going to be abused, especially when the reason to take down the content has nothing to do with copyright. He goes on to say, I think these laws are important to protect artists work and protect what they do. And that's why I think it's really dangerous to make these sort of claims and to do these sort of copyright claims for no real valid reason. So then lastly, talking about uh, Google's uh, policy, uh, PewDiePie has three options. He can wait 90 days for the copyright strike to expire and attend copyright school, whatever the hell that is. Most likely a class where they teach you about <laughs> copyright. Like like when you get caught drunk driving, you have to go to like a meeting and you have to go to a class on, on, on the issues with that. Um, 
He can reach out to Campo Santo for a retraction or submit a counter notification. And those are the three options. Of the three, it seems more likely that Felix will move ahead with the third option, which is submit a counter notification. If him and his lawyer can prove that the Firewatch Let's Play qualifies as potential fair use, then a counter notification may be accepted. Um, so Felix did not specify if other developers or studios had issued takedowns against him. Because if you remember, um, Campo Santo had basically said, we're going to try to get people bigger than us to also do this to him. So if he got three in a row or like if he got five or six big companies to go after him, he could have shut his channel down. Like one guy could have gone on a crusade. Um, it's also unclear if those requests are sent to YouTube and the company complies with those requests, uh, whether Felix will have a chance to defend himself and his channel before the content is removed and he is banned. So, um, apparently Google has had no comment about it, uh, when they reached out to YouTube and Google for the, for, to hear anything. And again, it, it's, it's frustrating to me because this is like the, the long extending issue with DMCA takedowns. And like, it's about to get really messy. Cause if, if Felix takes them to court and he wins in court saying that, that video was fair was was fair use that means that a lot of let's plays are going to start being considered fair use so if that's true then these companies won't be able to take down videos just because they want to because right now apparently the understanding is everyone believes that let's plays are not considered fair use but the companies allow it because it makes them all profitable and so you're like okay well i, I guess that kind of makes sense it's like it's like it's like everyone's kind of on shaky ground right now, but there it's a, it's a it's a it's an alliance, it's a truce at this moment. But then you have somebody like like PewDiePie just firing off the first round and making all the developers defensive, and then they're going to strike back, and then it's you know mutually assured destruction is what I fear, and hopefully not the case. But it, it looks like that's where it's going because depending on how this, if he does a if he if if PewDiePie does a counter notification claim and he wins that like in court. It, it upends everything again. But no matter what, the issue here is that PewDiePie is doing stupid things that are making advertisers not want to advertise on videos on YouTube, especially gaming videos. Like when you're an advertiser, I don't know if you know this or not, when you're an advertiser on YouTube, you can ch uncheck certain boxes like religion. Um, let me see if I can find that picture here. Um, uh, so it was like, uh, I'm going to look this up real quick. Uh, YouTube advertisers... Um, checklist black. Uh, this is not going to work. Um, okay, let's take a look here. So, um, yeah, it's, I'm not going to find it. There's too much shit on how to make money on YouTube. So that's fine. But basically it was saying, it was basically saying you could uncheck the box that said, I don't want to be posted on any religious videos. I don't want to be posted on any maturated videos. And one of the options was, I don't want to be posted on any gaming videos at all. Like just straight gaming. Doesn't matter if it was mature or not. Just, I don't want to be touched. I don't want to touch gaming videos. And that just shows that with all of the, um, Gamergate stuff that was happening over the last couple of years. And then you've got stuff like PewDiePie running his mouth and saying stupid stuff. Now you've got this, like advertisers are pulling out of games and that hurts all of us that are trying to make it in YouTube, but it also hurts. Like then you've got content creators will go, okay, well I got to go somewhere else to make money. So maybe they have their own websites. It, it, it takes everybody away from the centralized location of YouTube. And maybe in the long run, that'll be a good thing. Maybe it just feels like right now it feels like it's hurting. And I wish that he could understand that being the largest YouTuber, he has a responsibility. And I just, I don't think he takes it seriously at all. I just don't think he cares quite frankly. I don't, I don't think he looks at the whole thing as a whole and he doesn't realize that if he makes YouTube a better place, he'll make more money still. 
But instead, he just doesn't get it. And it frustrates me when someone is in that position and just doesn't get it. Like, he needs a handler to, like, shake him and slap him in the face. Like, listen, dude, you're doing it wrong. Okay? Don't do it wrong. Anyway, that's all I had for today. Uh, a little bit shorter podcast than usual, but uh, there was just honestly, it was a it was a dead ass week for news. I was really struggling to try to find some stuff to talk about. Um, but with that being said, uh, I'm gonna reach into my bag of retro uh, games that you should play, and I'm gonna pull out. Hmm, let's see here. I'm just looking at my list, looking at my shelf. Okay, I'm gonna say. I'm going to say Friday the 13th and we got Halloween's coming up. So it's a good one to play around Halloween time. Friday the 13th is a super difficult game. Incredibly frustrating. I think the music's killer. Uh, no pun intended. The music's great. Um, the graphically it's fine. It's like a side scroller. And then when you go into a cabin, you explore it in first person and it even had jump scares. Like you'll, you'll go in there and then Jason will jump out in front of you and you have to fight him in a cabin. And the idea is you're a camp counselor and you have to rescue the kids and you're running around like a world, like essentially a, a, a world map. You can run around it and he'll start attacking kids in a, in a cabin, which isn't normally a Jason thing, but that's fine. It works in this game. And you have to run to that cabin if you want to fight him or, and you only have so many kids that can die before you're done you get to pick between different camp counselors some can jump high some can run real fast some are better with weapons it's it's a whole bunch of stuff while you're side scrolling you fight a lot of memorable friday 13th villains like zombies and werewolves um no i'm just kidding but there are zombies in the game you just don't see that anywhere in the movies but it even had stuff like you can go into the woods and you can find jason's mom and kill her and then you get the machete and then if you kill her and then after you beat Jason the first time, it resets everything and then you have to kill her again. And if you kill her again, you get the sweater so that you can not be attacked by Jason while you're outside the cabins. And anyway, it was just it was it was a really fun game. It's just super hard and I've never beaten it. Actually, that might be one that I try to tackle. Uh, I'm going to be doing the um, the uh, uh, the charity stream coming up uh, the week after my wedding. So that'll be November 4th. I'll be doing the. I always want to call it Let's Play. Why can I not think of the damn name of this thing? Um, oh, my God. I got to look it up because it's uh, it's just killing me. I, I got this wrong last night in the podcast, too. Extra Life. Thank you. God, Extra Life. So I'm doing a 24-hour Extra Life stream. Maybe I'll play that on there. I'll probably play some other stuff. I'll be playing some PUBG. I'll be playing some Rocket League, playing whatever I can to stay awake because I'm actually going for 24 hours this time. But anyway, Friday the 13th, Friday the 13th NES Go play it. It's ridiculously hard, but it's in my permanent collection. I love it, and I hope you guys do too. As always, thank you for listening. Appreciate you guys always. If, you, if you're if you hearing this on YouTube, if you could like, subscribe, we appreciate it. Um, you can find us on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud, obviously, if that's where you're hearing it. You can download us on YouTube or on iTunes. <laughs> YouTunes. Uh, yeah, that might be a good idea for a new website. Uh, you can download us on iTunes, uh, SoundCloud. We're on YouTube. We put it up the same day, along with a bunch of other content under the drop rate. Uh, label is where we're uploading the podcast to now. That's the video I'm trying to do with my friends. We're over 200 subscribers now in just the last six months. We're pretty proud of that. And we're just trying to keep making content and keep getting people to, to follow us and like what we do. But as always, I appreciate you guys for listening and I hope you all have a great day.